0: And then at the end of the year, we were able to take that data, collate all of it, and then you know extrapolate out from there what that meant in terms of revenue, new revenue in the business. And so it was a very simple tracking mechanism. And I think a lot of times we get tied up and we're scared of tracking the data when really it can be very low tech.
1: If you can't measure it, you can't improve it. My guess is that you've probably heard some version of that Peter Drucker quote before. And the reason this idea is so widespread is, of course, because it's true. Luckily, there are tons of ways to gather good data on your business and track the metrics that really matter. But having access to good data isn't the only hurdle to measuring growth. The main hurdle to measuring what matters? Well, that's us and the day-to-day realities of running a business. I'm Susan Bowles, and you're listening to Break the Ceiling, the show where we break down unconventional strategies you can use to save time, boost your profit, and increase your operational capacity. We've been talking this month about how to measure growth, what numbers to collect, what feedback to gather, how to make space for growth. So if you've missed those episodes, scroll back through your feed and check those out. Today, we're bringing it all together and we'll look at the effect that collecting and using data in your business can have on your growth. We're looking at how all of this gets pulled together in an actual agency and implemented in the midst of day-to-day operations. I'm chatting with Maggie Patterson from Scoop Studios and the small business boss. We talk about all the different things she's tracking, how she tracks them, and how she's integrated that into her growth strategy. We'll also talk about how she gets herself to actually track data and get over that hump of, but I don't wanna. All right, hi Maggie, thanks so much for being here today.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about numbers and all the nitty gritty stuff.
1: That's my favorite. So why don't we start with, just tell me a little bit about
0: kind of what key metrics you're currently focusing on for your business. So one of the things I had to really do at the beginning of 2019, I was like, yeah, I have like normal revenue reports and everything. But I was like, we need a lot more data than just like, you know, what were our expenses? So I went a little further and really started tracking in an immense amount of detail, everything related to lead generation, because um, you know, with a service business, with an owning an agency, new clients are really that lifeblood of the business. So, focusing in on that, you know, what were our lead sources? Um, you know, what percentage of clients were new revenue, you know, new revenue? What, what was the source of that revenue? Um, how did that impact our profitability? And then getting into things like what were our win-loss rates on proposals? How can we start to look at that a little bit differently? Um, because it all goes into, you know, from a new business perspective, like, yes, new business turns into revenue, but it's also time. So how do we optimize that process? And how do we use that um, to help us continuously improve in the acquisition of new clients and ultimately making more money in the business?
1: Oh, I love that. So,
0: talk to me a little bit about how you ended up
1: focused specifically on lead generation. Was there something going on in your business um that that was really pertinent or was there a process that you went through to kind of decide that that was the most important thing to focus on?
0: So, it's interesting. You know, if I go back in time like, you know, at the beginning of 2019, I knew that something we were in this process of evolving we need to look at some new ways to generate leads so i really started off with this idea of okay i'm gonna get a little more granular on you know, what are our lead sources and how do we tie that to revenue and everything else? Because I want to be able to validate new tactics we were adding to the mix. Like, for example, we're adding cold outreach. We'd never really done cold outreach in a sustained way before. So I wanted to make sure that um, if we were going to do cold outreach and invest time and energy and money into that, that it was something that was going to pay off. And um, it sure did, but I wouldn't know how well things had paid off or, you know, maybe referrals weren't going as well as we thought. So, I needed to shake things up and really track that because everything I had beforehand was more like gut feeling and, well, mm-hmm. I, I I pretty much know this is, but I wanted to challenge those assumptions and be able to validate each tactic and strategy on of its own merit and based on, you know, actual math.
1: So was there anything that you found when you started collecting data that kind of contradicted or um, was surprising? based you know when you compared to what you thought was gonna come out of the data
0: uh yeah shocking 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 so like looking at for example lead sources so i we ended up boiling things down into you know four buckets for lead sources cold outreach um Inbound, which are basically cold ones coming into us, referrals, and then existing relationships. And by doing it a full analysis, because we had been tracking all year, you know, from a revenue point of view, referrals, which have always been our number one source of new clients, and clients that generate revenue was actually incredibly weak whereas what we found on the flip side was cold outreach was responsible for 61 percent of new revenue for 2019 so by having that data we were able to decide okay here's what we need to do for each of these tactics for the coming year and how does that you know knowing where to focus our energy and letting some other things go along the way or deciding to improve them um instead of just trying to you know do all the things
1: okay yeah so talk to me about Once you decided to collect the data um, and that you needed to collect data, how did you go about actually getting that data? What tools did you use? Or was there um, some sort of process that you used to collect
0: data? How did you approach that? So we went super low, like, and I think this is one of the things that I'm really proud of. It was very, very simple. We just used Airtable. It was a matter of me having a weekly task to in conjunction with all the lead gen we're doing, logging what was happening. So, you know, this was a lead, this was a source, um, you know, was it one lost, all those types of things. And then at the end of the year, we were able to take that data, collate all of it, and then, um, you know, extrapolate out from there what that meant in terms of revenue, new revenue in the business. And so it was a very simple tracking mechanism. And I think a lot of times we get tied up and we're scared of tracking the data when really it can be very low tech.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The The important part is that you do track the data, that you do whatever works for you and how your brain works or how your workflow works. As long as you're doing something to collect the data. And I'm always I'm always interested to see how people kind of approach that collection mechanism. So as you kind of evolved this tracking mechanism, particularly for leads um, or really anywhere in your business, I guess, Tell me about some of the mistakes you might have made. Was there something that you tracked that ended up not mattering, or you
0: struggled to collect the data? What, what's what gone wrong with your Yeah, metrics? what's gone wrong? So I think one thing that has gone wrong is if I skip that weekly task, because when you own the business, it's really easy to skip your weekly task. It is so easy. Yeah, so I think just being realistic of like, okay, I'm gonna aim to do this every week, but if I do it every other week, that will be okay. But I actually think what's, you know, interesting is now that I've seen this, you know, kind of full year of data, like, oh, we should have tracked other things. So um, I really want to be able to figure out, you know, over the next six months to a year, you know, what is the lifetime value of a customer? Because knowing that the X amount of revenue came from where is great, but to really help us forecast better, you know, what is that lifetime value of a customer? What is, um, what is our retention rates? Really starting to play out some of that data. And I'm not quite sure how we're going to track that yet, but it's in the works. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, in
1: my experience, when you start collecting data and start looking at data, all that comes is a need for, you just have more questions. You know, you get your basic question answered and then you're like, but what about this? Or, but what about this? And so collecting initial parts of data is a great way to just start on that path to get more data, answer more questions, um, use data. More just in your daily decision making. I think is that something that you've seen happen with you?
0: Yeah, because once we started collecting this data, then it got really like we went to next level nerd territory, and we're like, okay, so let's look at our proposals because this is you know essentially the instrument of how these leads get closed. You know what is that going to mean? <laughs> what does it mean from a win loss? And then I started playing like this is how how far I took it is you know. If we had won 30% more of the lost deals, what would have that meant for revenue for the year? Like really playing and modeling that. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, now I just have a thirst for all the numbers.
1: (laughs) Yes, it's a little bit, but gets like this huge, you just want all of the information. And I don't think we can ever really get like to all of the answers, but I think there's a lot of really simple tracking that we can do in our businesses that answer a lot of those questions without the need to collect a ton of data.
0: And it's, you know, I think what's been interesting, Susan, is as I've started like sharing, like I wrote this epic blog post talking about, you know, how this data all came together for um, the lead gen, I wrote, I have another one coming up on proposals. And I think what's interesting is people talk to me and they're like, well, how did you do this? I'm like, listen, I logged it in Airtable and I ran some percentages.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we I think it's something we tend to overly complicate um, and we think it's got to be perfect or complicated or build dashboards. And it really can be as simple as like, tracking time in Airtable or in a spreadsheet or hitting a button on a toggle um, start timer, you know, there's, there's really easy ways to get a lot of really useful information about your business without having complex processes, I think.
0: Yeah, and I love that you mentioned toggle because that's another thing I really really like I'm telling you all my secrets that's something we're really working on in terms of that time tracking and understanding you know this is great it's new revenue but how profitable how profitable Mm -hmm. is every client from a time in versus you know money out yes absolutely so have you guys um started that process or is that
1: something you're working on this year
0: so everyone has always tracked their time but I am just being especially me right like, what agency owner wants to track their time? Because <laughs> it's terrifying at times. And I think what's interesting, the more I track my time, the more I'm like, huh, you thought you really worked a lot. You didn't that week. Yes. Um, and you were really or- not billable. Or, you know, another week, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was super billable. So starting to look at things like uh, utilization rates, um, all those types of things to start to figure out capacity. Because if there's one thing, uh, I think, Is just impossible to understand his capacity. Like, I feel like it's just so it's a bit of a moving target for everybody so the more we get a handle Definitely. on those things and equate it back to revenue the better a uh, handle we have on what capacity really looks like because there's um I, what i always think of ideal world capacity and then there's here's our real world capacity here's what it here's what it actually is well cuz no one like in our in our business at least cuz our companies are always like we need this done yesterday and then it takes them four times longer than they think or five times longer so if i went with capacity as you know what my clients think is actually happening in terms of timeline, and then what what actually happens, we would never sign any new clients ever.
1: (laughs) No, I think that's true. And even um, I think in my own work, do you find that I have a really hard time legitimately estimating how long things take without actual hard data that says, hey, remember, this is how long it actually
0: took the last time. Yeah, and I think being able to look at the historical data is becoming very, very helpful. Like I was quoting in a project last week and I was like, wait a second, we did another project like this back in November. How much time did we really spend? Mm-hmm. Um, and that you know, ultimately let me come up with a much higher number than what I would have quoted if I'd just <laughs> gone on gut feeling when you know preparing the quote. Yeah, I think one of the
1: things that we when we move to you know more fixed price retainers and that sort of thing sometimes it's easy to forget that um we have to measure whether or not that's profitable you know just because we said that's how many hours we're allocating or that's what the value is to the client it's always important to be tracking and making sure that the the value that you're putting into the client is it's still profitable and there's no real way to do that without
0: actually looking at you know, the costs in. How much time did you actually spend on a project? And this is why, like, I love that you brought this up because flat rate pricing, I think, is great until it doesn't work. Until you figure yeah, out until that the flat rate, not. you're <laughs> actually getting paid $50 an hour. But if you were you were charging by the hour, you'd be being like 150 or 200. So and this is why I like I will just put it out there. I don't shy away from just doing hourly sometimes because it's a good insurance policy. That's
1: And I do the same. So I advocate a lot for value-based pricing and flat rate pricing, particularly because it's very efficient from an administrative standpoint. Yes. Um, So that's where I love it. But I've also done that where um, there's a project where it's maybe kind of something unusual and there's absolutely no way to really know how long it's going to take because you just have too many unknowns. Um, I've done hourly uh, pricing as well, just for that purpose where you just, you never quite know and you need the insurance policy.
0: Yeah, I'm in the middle of one where I'm really glad I had the insurance policy right now because I was able to say this morning, hey, you know what? You're over. More money, please. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say more money, please, but I was, you know, I put it in more professional terms, but that's essentially what I said. You need to pay me before we keep doing more work.
1: (laughs) Yes. Um, And I think a lot of that is really difficult to get to if you are not measuring things, even basic things like time
0: tracking. Yeah, time tracking, I think. I think that will be my big win of 2020 my level of granular time tracking i think so it's really easy for
1: like folks on a staff who have a specific project and uh, i think a lot of the times when it's task based you know when you're working on the specific task or the specific project it's really easy to allocate your time to that but as a founder it's so difficult i think sometimes to get granular on what you're doing because changes so much and so much of your day is not necessarily allocated to a specific project or a specific task or specific client work and being able to um, really capture in good buckets what you're spending your time on that's not you know that that is that amorphous just founder time i think is really useful and it has been for me you know just going even looking back and doing like a time journal where you're like, what did I do for the last 15 minutes? Oh, I, I wasn't doing anything.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I (laughs) thought I was
1: really busy, but I wasn't, I wasn't actually doing anything.
0: And like the, the, you know, kind of shifty founder time, I think for me it actually getting really clear on what it is I'm doing. Cause you know, you arrive at the end of the day and you're doing your timesheet, and you're like, what have I been doing all day? Yes. (laughs) And then it's made me realize like, okay, there is like this ongoing pattern of these four things. I keep sticking my nose into that I just need to delegate or not be involved in. Mm. And I mean, I've spotted that in multiple instances with different, you know, kind of administrative operations tasks. I've spotted it in client accounts where I'm like, I do not need to be this involved. What am I doing? And I mean, we really are our own worst enemies sometimes as the founder. So I think getting very granular down to like, how am I spending my time in 15 minute increments is forcing me to confront some of those things and be able to, you know, make better decisions and to delegate things in the way they need to be delegated.
1: Oh, I love that. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's amazing how much really comes out once you have hard data at your fingertips.
0: Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, my default mode is not data mode. So. <laughs> <laughs> my I'm default like, mode is always data mode. I just want to do my, <laughs> I just want to do my work and get paid. <laughs> <laughs> Typical kind of creative, and I'm like, well, you own the business, so you have to like actually embrace this stuff. And I think if for anyone that has that resistance to the data, just know that the further you get into it, the more empowered it's going to be, the more enjoyable your work becomes because you know what's really happening versus this kind of alternate reality based on assumptions that we're making on a mm-hmm. day-to-day basis
1: or ignoring what's
0: maybe uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, is, I don't. I've never. I think done something
1: that. we all do like ignore <laughs> the thing that you don't want to do. But, you know, when you're tracking time or you're tracking and you you say, hey, no leads came in and then you go
0: back and you say, well, did I do anything to bring in leads? Oh, I didn't. All right. OK. Or even, you know, like looking at things with a team, like if I'm completely overwhelmed, but my number two, she's her billables way down. Like, how are we going to shift this workload in mm-hmm. real time and being able to go in, you know, I go in every single week and look at timesheets and I'm not going through to nitpick on what people are doing. I just want to see what their utilization is. I want to know how they're spending their time and like how I can make better use of the resources I'm paying for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So do you have that kind of review built into your daily schedule or your weekly schedule? Is that part of a some sort of process that you do, or do you just kind of do ad hoc? Run through it when you when you have some
0: time. So I have um, our number two runs basically reports on Mondays, and then I review them. Um, Sometimes during the week, if I'm just you know I've got a question or something, and you know something's percolating for me, and I'm like, huh, what's what's really going on? I might just log into Harvest then and be like, okay, what's really happening with these hours? Oh, Mm -hmm. that's interesting. Um, But you know, generally Monday I have a task to go through, look at that. And I mean it literally takes me a matter of minutes unless something, you know, comes up as a red flag.
1: Okay. Makes sense. So shifting gears a little bit, are there is there anything that you have chosen consciously not to track or not to pay attention to when it comes to your metrics or measuring how you're growing?
0: Anything that you've chosen to kind of opt out of? So the irony being, I run a content marketing agency, but I really, like we track them, I don't generally look at them. Um, I might look at these numbers once a quarter or more as a like, oh, that's interesting. Um, all the marketing metrics, you know, what are our podcast mm-hmm. downloads? Uh, what's happening in terms of email list and stuff? Uh, I've determined for me, like as much as that data is very helpful, uh, as long as someone else in the team is looking at it, I don't need to, because I don't need to know that there was 233 unsubs last month. I, I just I want to just focus on the top line value I as a content creator that I'm involved in not getting stuck in the nitty gritty of marketing numbers that can really mess with my head. I, I can relate to that. <laughs> I'm the same like I tend not to look at
1: my podcast downloads or um, my email list that kind of stuff because it just it gets in your head a
0: little bit much. And I mean, ultimately, should I be worrying that five people unsubscribed last Tuesday? No that's that defeats the point. So um, I have someone who's tracking and looking at that. And if there's anything, you know, outlandish, it will get mentioned to me. Otherwise, that data is there for when I'm feeling strong enough to look at it.
1: (laughs) I love that. So if you could pick one metric for your business, it's the only one you could track. What is one thing that you would measure?
0: Oh, hands down profit. I love that. I just don't care. I mean, honestly, I think, especially if you operate at all in any sort of online business world, it's always about revenue, revenue, revenue. I'm like, I don't care about your revenue. Let's talk about your profit. And yes, like, exactly. I'm so glad you brought that up. And looking at my year over year, like for last year, I was like my 2018 to 2019, I was like, oh, we were like 11% more profitable. Not only did we increase revenue, but we were more profitable. And I am way way more interested in that profit number because that to me indicates the health of the business yeah 11 year over year is pretty good yeah i'm super proud of that and you know what that product of that was uh not just increasing revenue but sticking to my budget <laughs> Ooh. yeah super like people are like how did you do that well let me tell you i said no <laughs> I to a lot of things money. because i decided profit was more important <laughs> so let's talk about that a little bit. How do you approach
1: your budget? And was there anything that you found that was particularly useful in helping you stick to it the last year?
0: So a couple things became very helpful with the budget. Number one, I think being very honest, when I worked with my finance person on the budget upfront, like I was like, I am going to do this. And I am going to do that not creating this kind of I think there's this temptation to create the austerity budget. And Mm -hmm. then what happens? And we we do this in our personal lives, too. You create the austerity budget. And then by like February 15th, you're like, oh, this sucks. I'm out. Um, So we created a very realistic budget. And also just understanding that anything that wasn't in the budget, we had to kind of find a give and take. And I worked really closely with my finance person on that to make decisions in real time based on kind of what my desired outcome was. So I would be like, okay, so if I do that, like, and this is a granular review, I'd be like, okay, so if I do this, what is, how do you think that's gonna impact, you know, the expenses? How is that gonna, imp- you know, my profit margin? Like, and there were certain things, she was ran the numbers real quick for me, and I was like, oh no, we're not gonna do that. That's not worth <laughs> it to me. Um, and I mean, a lot of times it comes down to, I was like, do you wanna pay yourself a bonus, Maggie, or do you wanna do that thing? <laughs> I think I want to pay myself the bonus. Yeah, I think we tend to
1: not realize the trade offs. And I think that's a an excellent point that you make. Because ultimately, for a lot of the business owners, it's literally money out of your pocket when you're making choices about the expenses that you're choosing to pay for or not pay for. And that twist of it's literally money coming out of your pocket. Do you really, really want to do this thing? Is a great perspective to have
0: yeah in my case i wanted a new bathroom at home instead so i was like hmm new bathroom someone's course i think i'm taking the bathroom (laughs) yeah no i love that i think that's
1: that's really useful so How has kind of this continual move towards tracking more data, towards measuring more things, towards using that data in more actionable ways, how do you think that's actually impacted the growth and the direction of your business? Did the data change the path any? um, Or talk to me a little bit about that journey.
0: So I think there's really a few things I can point to is, number one, I feel like for me, coming out the other side of 2019, having that data on lead gen, it really created a confidence within me as the business owner, as the person who does sales for the business, um, validating you know what we were doing that was really, really working and feeling like, listen, 2020, I got this no matter what, because I was able to do this and I didn't even really know what I was doing. So imagine <laughs> what I could do when I actually have data and I know what I'm doing, <laughs> shocking. So I think knowing that, and then also just, I think, Overall, all the data we've been collecting, it just helps me make better and I'm gonna just, you know, not just better decisions, but more realistic decisions. Um mm. I think we we have you know mindset issues that go into our when we're in this founder-owner role. We've got assumptions we're making, we've got outlandish ideas that have come out of nowhere. <laughs> so being able to go back to the data, you know, time and time again, I'm able to say, Okay, so this is what's going on in your head, but this is what's really, really happening. And I know um, I suffer from some low level anxiety, (laughs) which is under control. (laughs) But one, like having this information, um, you know, really helps remove that worry and some of that anxiety related with the business because I'm able to look at things in real time and go, okay, that's not actually true, the story you're telling yourself. This Mm -hmm. is what's actually happening. And now I'm going to make a reasonable decision based on facts and not on emotion. No, I love that. Okay, so let's
1: talk specifically tools. So what technologies are you using to kind of collect this data? You mentioned Airtable, you mentioned um you said you guys were using Toggle as well for time tracking. Oh, no, Anything we're using Harvest. Using? We're not using, using toggle. Harvest for time yeah. tracking. Okay.
0: And then we're also using Basecamp for all our project management. So that's really where the follow through is happening. Um, I I can use all those other tools, but like I literally have a task that says every day, track time. (laughs) You know, once a week, check the the reports, do this. Because if it's not in Basecamp, I don't do it.
1: (laughs) No, I love that. Okay, cool. So before we wrap up, is there
0: anything you think we should talk about that we haven't already? I think the biggest thing, honestly, like if I could just leave any phone thing is like if you are looking at your lead gen and you're looking at your business the for the year, take the time to you know really track that. I think it will make a lot of difference and it will also kind of move you out of this and I think that a lot of service business owners are like this, very passive, waiting for leads to come to them. When you see it in black and white, kind of snaps you into reality and is going to help you be more proactive and be smart with how you're focusing your time in terms of acquiring those new clients.
1: I love that. Awesome. So Where can our listeners find you if they want to
0: connect or learn more about you? So you can find me over at scoopstudios.co. That's my content marketing company. And I talk about all these nitty gritty numbers and details over at Small Business Boss, which is really my, my adventures in owning a business. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Susan. For
1: Maggie, her approach to tracking data about her business has been an evolution. She didn't implement all of this all at once. She picked one thing, checked that out, see where that leads. Once she was consistently collecting that piece, she added in the next one. But over time, you can see the exponential impact of what having solid information about what's happening in your business can do. It can help you decide what projects or what kind of clients to grow. It can help decide on what programs or services to shut down or double down on and it can help decide if you really do need a new team member or just a more streamlined process. Data and metrics are at the hub of any solid, consistent, sustainable business because you can't make smart database decisions without some actual data to look at. So even if you start with one thing, the point is to just start. Once you have some data to refer back to, and you can see how powerful that is, trust me, you're going to want some more. I'm so excited about my interview for next week. I'll be talking to Justin Jackson from Transistor FM, which is a podcast hosting software company. And incidentally, the software company that hosts this podcast, Justin and I are going to talk about what metrics he measures in his business and how service businesses can really benefit from incorporating some of those standard software metrics into their own business. So make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss it. Growing your business can cause a lot of problems. If you're only focused on adding new clients to your roster, you can quickly get underwater. Your time gets stretched thin, quality goes down, and results suffer. That's why measuring growth is about so much more than how many new clients you want to work with or how much revenue you want to add to the top line. I can help you understand growth from every angle, financial and operational, My goal is for you to strategically and sustainably grow your business and still leave the office at 3 p.m. to take your kids to the park because having a life is actually kind of fun. Here's how it works. First, we complete a growth blueprint. The growth blueprint lays out exactly what you need to do to make growth possible for your company again. It's a deep dive into your business operations and financial health. And together we'll go over your business goals and your vision for the future of the business. Then we'll map out where you're getting stuck and figure out which parts of your system are blocking your growth. Then we enter the ramp up phase. I'll get to work setting up the necessary foundations to fix your business. This often includes implementing new software, defining your processes and starting to make changes. Finally, we enter the growth advisory and continual improvement phase. This is where the real magic happens. I'll handle your finances and your software systems so you can focus on selling into your new capacity and giving your clients the best possible service. With a continual focus on improving and streamlining, your business will be able to handle whatever you can throw at it. Ready to learn more? I'd love to learn about your business and where you're stuck when it comes to growth. Shoot me an email. I'm Susan at scalespark.co, and we'll set up the time to talk. I'd love to help you plan for strategic and sustainable growth without sacrificing your time, quality, or results. Break the Ceiling is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode was edited by Marty Seefeld with production assistance by Kristen Runbeck. Our theme music is Feel So Fly by The Unders.